yeah. I love my HBCU. And Bob, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man, I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. we know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot yeah. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, and pay attention, boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Ville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Welcome to episode 283 of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab radio show and podcast, a show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports, from institutions large and small, from the NEIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. Many people would just call it the HBCU Sports Pedagogy. Yeah, I'm add that I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's pedagogical philosophy of HBCU Sports. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We went to work today. We were in the lab. You know, we were taking temperatures of coaches and players. I just want to make sure their heart was in the right place. You know, somebody get faint around here. But I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to KCOH 1230. AM Studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer Ralph Cooper, multi-Hall of Famer Ralph Cooper. Usually we're in the home of Houston, Texas, Texas Southern University, from Houston, Texas, but now we're in Birmingham, Alabama, Sheraton, home today of the 2022 SWAT Football Media Day. Closing out things, so, you know, we'll start it there and just kind of go over. I want to get your thoughts. I'm going to start with you, Charles. What's your general thoughts of today? Anything specifically that caught your nature? Or just did you have an overall thought process? Huge media presence. That was the first thing. Uh, uh, definitely media filled up the large ballroom. Uh, but uh, Over 200. Yeah. I mean, it that was, were registered. Exactly. It was uh, definitely a sight to see. Uh, the, the interest in HBCU football. Of course, the fan interest has been there uh, in terms of this conference uh, for quite some time, and uh, the media interest. So you had a lot of uh, new entities that uh, that were here today, uh, but there's a, a general buzz, general excitement around covering HBCU athletics. Go to you, Mike. What were your thoughts of the day? Oh, uh, pretty much similar to CB. Um, as soon as I walked in here, the, you, each year we go into the season saying that there's a buzz. But this year, that buzz was magnified by a power of 10. The, I think CB said it, the, the media presence noticeably increased from previous years. Um, of course, it's gradually increased, but a just noticeable difference. The hype, the excitement. Um, and Shout just, out to Andrew Roberts, yeah. who was responsible for a lot of that media. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Being I, in position to get things done. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. So I, that's the first thing that stood out to me was just the overall media. And then the, gate, the engagement. So, yeah, the engagement between the players, the media, uh, administrative personnel uh, was, was very active. So I, I, I kind of noticed that as well. 
And when you talk about the media, you're talking about your traditional media, if you would, in terms of your news stations. You mm-hmm. had an uptick of that. There were some people that were maybe concerned with the SEC uh, being in a different state and city, um, that that may challenge some things. That didn't seem to be a problem. Your newspapers, local newspapers were here, mm-hmm. uh, even some national newspapers, your magazines in terms of Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Obviously, ESPN, um, mm-hmm. now they talk about the Anscape. Um, it was here covering it from a national perspective, mm-hmm. and that's just the ones that I were able to put my eyes on and talk to. They were covering here. Mm-hmm. Then you had more radio presence. I think they at least doubled the radio presence. Sure. It was 5 to 6 yeah. last year, sure. 12 to 14 this year in terms of the room. So that was huge in terms of that media presence when you talk about it. And then the streaming rooms. Yeah. The streaming rooms were on full display in terms of people getting that streaming live content to the people so they could be here. And um, that's including uh, ESPN in terms of them broadcasting. But uh, in between that, what we did with BCSN, what HBCU Game Day did, uh, even Roland Martin uh, was here in yeah. terms of the presence. Uh, you had uh, Block Sports. You have other ones that were in here streaming. And then you had the individual HBCU Go uh, that will be carrying uh, 12 to 14 games, I believe it was announced mm, today. Yeah. They were here providing takes. You had commercial takes. Uh, radio spots um, for HBCU Go for other stations. You had Tali, HBCU Game Day. They looked like they literally brought the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't seen anything quite like that. That was kind of wild. Uh, they'll be here all day trying to cover up. He just said, uh, what's up, as he's uh, packing. Um, you should have seen him out there last night feverishly. Credit to all these production people. I don't know if people understand the work that goes in. These folks were in the day before. Um, here early, mm-hmm. putting things together, commencing their space, making sure things were particular and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And now they're late after the hours when many people are hitting roads, whatever. Now trying they to break, pack, it down. break it down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that was another part when you talk about that. Let's go on to the players. Anything that caught your eyes in terms of the players? I got one, but I want to see if, if you caught it. Well, two of the players that really stood out to me. Uh, for a particular reason, but I want to see if, if y'all honed on it on it before I give it away. So I'm gonna go to you, Mike. Anything you saw particularly with the players that stood out could have been clothing. It could have been uh, what they Sanders said. Shoes. Yep. I walked in from a distance and I was <laughs> like, "What kind of <laughs> that? That was marketing, fashion wrapped up all into one bundle." So that's that new hip stuff too, young yeah. folk. <laughs> Yeah, so that's when you know you start getting old when you look at it and be like, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah. It's clean, but I'm not sure if I can pull it out. Sure. Where. So, so, and then the, the dress code of the millennial, uh, I guess, generation stood out with a number of players. I won't single one out, but the, they were sharp. They were really sharp. Uh, but the dress code, I mean, they were dressed to a T. Um, but they had, you know, kind of the, the fashionable dress down. Uh, what you call millennial formality? Millennial formality. I like that. I like that. I like that. So, so those two things stood out. Stood out with the players, but Shadur Sanders' shoes, uh, and they and they match well with the suit he had on. But yeah, it yeah. was clean. So, now. Yeah. Like you said, it's just different styles, but uh, it lets you know the modern styles and what me as a young kid and I know you got a couple in college that you bring it in and be like, what is that? Exactly. <laughs> That's what's it. That's what's it. Yeah, he'd be like, okay, whatever. 
Yeah, I talk about my middle, my youngest son about his dress style, and I come here, and it's just like what they're. Yeah, wearing. now you know it's just your son. It's That's the, a good thing. You be like, okay, not you, it's me. <laughs> Millennial formality. It's it's actually me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Charles, what did you see? Um, I I think, and uh, not to uh, stay on Jackson State, but I think a lot of people, you know, it was noticeable. Uh, Travis Hunter was in a walking boot. Uh, here at uh, yeah. Swag Media Day, uh, uh, ankle sprain, uh, but he still uh, was able to make it uh, to Swag Media Day. That was uh, big that he pushed uh, forward. And that with following around the Jackson State players and, and Coach Prime during the course of the day, I didn't get an opportunity to see a, a lot of players, but I tell you, the Gramlin players stood out for what they That's were That's the one I was going yeah. to. Oh, and, yes. and Hugh Jackson as well. That's so right. So it was like, I caught <laughs> that, that I caught that yeah. out the corner of my eyes. I like, that whoa. Yeah. So <laughs> for those that hadn't seen it, you'll see it because I'm sure the pictures come out. They had the G and the black on, uh, but it was a tailor-fit modern look, and it had the gold trim tuxedo type look, I guess you would call it. Yeah. You know, again, millennial <laughs> formality. <laughs> I'm not sure how to explain it, but check and see if you can get some of the pictures of the – uh, the players. We're going to probably uh, be able to get it on for you before the show is over to make sure you get a picture of uh, putting that up so you can see that. They were clean. And that's the one that stood out to me in terms of that. Uh, Andrew Body. Andrew Body. Has some of that modern style wow. about it mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what he was able to bring. So that was uh, clean. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know if we were at Radio Row or, or the HBCU <laughs> <See>? SB. <laughs> <laughs> the HBCU ESPYS. <laughs> All we need is a red carpet. Red carpet, yes, yes. There's a thought. There's a marketing talk. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, uh. So I thought that was pretty good. So the last one before we get into our break, you touched on a little bit. So I'll stay with you. Any other coach? Now we're talking about the coaches. You know who were the clean coaches? And we got coaches with some style. All right, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying. And it may be slightly different, but it's there. In their style, and they dress it up. So there's a couple of them that stood out to me. But I'm going I'm to uh, go back to you since you started out with Hugh Jackson. What, what about some other ones? Uh, uh, what about Hugh Jackson's? Well, definitely, uh, whenever we talk about style and, and coaches, Eric Dooley and Ascot, you know, <laughs> all, you know, you talk about. With dress the pants. Yeah, dressed to the T. <laughs> yeah. you know? oh I, I, I almost need him with a, like you with said, a little, with a little like, eyeglass you, piece you know, like, or something. HBCU piece. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's haberdashery. <laughs> yeah, his, his haberdashery is on point. <laughs> Tyler Carr noticed it too. <laughs> so um, what about you, Mike? Oh yeah, uh, you know Coach Prime is is always clean. But when mm-hmm. I saw Coach Dooley, I've seen him in an Ascot before, but he had Gucci label on the side, <laughs> and he, he and when he was talking to me, he flipped his wrist and you saw the word Gucci. <laughs> 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 like, oh yeah, I was like Coach, you know you clean, don't you? He's like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> This whole uh, HBCU ESPYS. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I told you. I had to go there. I was wondering if y'all gonna go there with me. Then Connell Maynard with his his uh, Alabama A and M maroon uh, on with the logo on it. He was really clean, tight fit. Uh, Danzy with, with the with the beard, clean shaving, with the green suit on. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't necessarily a modern flash style, but it was very clean and cut. 
Um, so you got some folks out here that uh, will put you to shame if you're not ready to go out here. Hey, Absolutely. Hey, hey it's, you'd be hard-pressed. To, to beat these swag coaches in terms of dressing. Yeah, oh, you yeah, know. absolutely. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Got some, you got some clean. We, clean. We, we can do a top five. Water so. health clean. <laughs> exactly. Top five. So we're going to have to see what they do in the MEAC. Yeah. We'll see if they <laughs> join the same. I can't see that with Coach Buddy Pugh, but it's got to be somebody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, Coach Pugh. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But I'm sure somebody over there has taken notice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. they, they, they there might be an ascot that shows up Friday. So. <laughs> Bleed it. Well, that'll do it for our first segment, our first break. I think we broke it down and let y'all know what was at least visible and noticeable to the eye. Let me speak uh, just one more. We can't leave out the commissioner. Commissioner, oh. make sure that he sharp. He knows that he's going to be on television. Though. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Did he, have a little, did he have a little blush on? I think, I think he went to makeup. Had well, you powder. know, they, they say they got to powder you for, yeah, for the he, TV. He I was powdered up and, and caked up and... <laughs> Had the, I think he had a powder blue suit on. Patty caked clean. up, huh? Yeah, all right. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you got to make sure the light hits you just right. Exactly. Just right. Just right. You know, and he was he every every position he almost knew where to stand and you know had his best side. He knew his marks, huh? <laughs> Great posture. Yeah. I don't know where he went to school for the posture. That's I mean, exactly. Oh my goodness! I said these folks here. What am I missing something? Let's get in this first break before we get in trouble. We'll be right back with our second segment next. Spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Ooh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger. That's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. You really outfit yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your family. Some carriers will give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the... <laughs> seven times the... No, no. Seven times the... Yeah. Music, gaming, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, and more. That's seven times the entertainment. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better costs less than you think. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Hear the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way. You consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushioning. Compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want a lot of And who the ball, So listen to Professor Yes Sir. And pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. 
This is Dr. Fields inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, here live from Birmingham for the 2022 SWAC Football Media Day. Bigger and better than ever for a lot of people. Uh, talking about that SWAC ESPY with the red carpet, um, I, I think y'all see a little bit what we're talking about. Y'all give us some thoughts and comments in terms of who you say was the cleanest in terms of the players. Then break down your coaches. You give us your top three. Top three. That should generate some discussion. Yeah, well, top three. <laughs> Tell your players, your coaches, uh-huh. commissioner, ADs. Uh, let me go back and give you a little love for AD. Uh, there's one Ashley Robinson made sure that he wasn't left out of discussion. Media, did y'all notice this? I was just gonna give. Him, <laughs> I'm just gonna say we have none under the charles and put a little linen, little slicker coat on. I ain't gonna be left out. <laughs> Damn man, he's like, man, I'm not running around all these four and like not looking clean myself. <laughs> exactly. But let's get back into it because we did our projected orders of finish and people seen it. But I want us to break it down in terms of what we look at and break down our thoughts on that. I'll start it out. See how much I get. Uh, Pull up on this. I'm going to start with the Western Division. At number six, I had Arkansas Pine Bluff. I did a matrix, so I went down every game, conference, non-conference, and division. So this is what I have, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Overall, I had them at three and eight. One and seven, conference play, and one and four uh, in the division in terms of what that looks like. I had Prairie View at four and seven. Two and six, conference. One and four for the division. Tied for fourth with Grambling State. That was three and eight. Two and six in conference. And two and three in the division. I had Texas Southern at three. Four and seven overall. Three and five in the conference race. And two and three in division. Had Alcorn State, the Braves, at six and five. They do have a winning season there. They go five and three in the conference race. Four and one. In the division, Southern, I have them overall at eight and three, winning the conference at six and two, five and zero in the division, going undefeated division. I had their two losses to the Eastern Division. One of the things that um, was interesting to me last year is just how much of a gap was there between the Eastern Division and the Western Division last year. I think that shrinks, but I think that gap is still there. Mm. Uh, those crossover games, which was definitive when you start seeing this Western Division uh, of what it did overall conference record. So we'll stop right there on the Western Division and see what your thoughts. I saw you frowning up a little bit, Charles. Uh, Prayer View, a couple of things out there. Yeah. I, but go ahead and speak on it. Yeah, I, I just um, I, I think there's um, they've, they've had a taste being in that SWAT championship. I, I don't see them falling too far back in the pack. Uh, I know yeah, from a defensive standpoint yeah, they uh, in terms – yeah, they lost some current, but the player they brought here, he was confident. Yeah. He believes that they still have, and they have, like you say, they have a taste in their mouth. Yeah. So, in terms of the players, I want to make that clear. Mm-hmm. They are still confident and feel good about what they believe they bring to the table, including uh, Coach Bubba McDowell. Sure. So, sure. to your point, this is my perspective in terms of all the losses or whatever. We do it on paper. They got to play it. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, Southern caught me off guard uh, being picked to finish first. I, I know oh, wow. uh, defensively, Jason Dumas transferring over there, uh, as well as uh, uh, the out, out defensive end coming back, who's former 
uh, Swag Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, well, you're talking about in terms of what the media is, but I'm talking about your perspective. Let's get an armor perspective, and then we'll break it down across that. Yeah, so I don't want to get too far ahead Southern of caught me off guard being – Where did you have him picked? I had him picked – I know you had Tech Southern, too. Yeah, I had Tech Southern, too. I you had all I had Southern pick third. Yeah, you had all. So I had all corn pick to finish, pick to finish first on Swag West, Um, and it's just from the standpoint of I, I, I'm not sure what they're going to do at the the quarterback position. Yeah, that's fair. Is there at Southern now? But uh, how quickly does he acclimate to uh, Eric Dooley's uh, offense? So, and do you give anything for Bubba? Bubba's been there. I mean, you know. Yeah, exactly. Has he has has he gotten better? Yeah, you know, that's I think that's a big question mark for me. Uh, is a quarterback play at Southern. But uh, pedigree program, I, I did ex- expect him to be back in the mix, but uh, I probably didn't have him pick to finish first. Yeah, big jump, big mm-hmm. jump. Big jump. Coming from where they were. Mm-hmm. Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of that breakdown? <clears throat> I actually had Southern you know, coming out of the, the West for you know, a couple of reasons. They bring a strong team. You've got Dooley. I think a lot of people have confidence included in what Dooley can do with the team. Mike got the – Sun so. golf glasses on. Yeah, so, like he yeah. gonna go tee up right after you. You gonna join right. it? Yeah, yeah. Get nine in real quick. Yeah, this is not, this is <laughs> Sorry about that. I know you're talking about Southern. I didn't want you to get too much of shine because I picked Southern, so I had to throw it off there. You trying to pick? You been yeah, peeking over on my grades. You know, yeah, we put you. We, we put the F squared in your life for that. You do yeah. get too much. I text your mind. I'm all electronic. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need a piece of paper. So. <laughs> so, like I said, I was. Uh, I did have Southern uh, pick. I I didn't. Uh, I know the media picked Purview in third, but I had them a little bit lower. I just there are two there are a lot of unanswered questions. They do have a solid team. They lose Dumas, Stubblefield, a couple of key pieces on the defense. New coach, new system. They may very well be strong, but I just didn't see them finishing third. Alcorn is in the football business. I picked them second. I think they'll finish strong. They just have their program has that pedigree. You just feel that there's back this year so but they have a very tough schedule that's the only reason i really had them second you could have arguably had them in a one-way tie with southern uh, but they have a very tough schedule so i don't know how they'll you know negotiate that you know man you talking about that preview schedule obviously kick off with texas southern two star quarterbacks looking at you texas it'll be fascinating to see with that first head-to-head matchup between quarterbacks what it looks like Trazon Colin, andrew Bach. yeah yeah, yeah. then Bobby you have um Adi, Southern adi, adi, adi. coming into Prairie View. Uh, yep. Coach Dooley coming back to Prairie View. So that'll be a fascinating matchup in terms of something to just kind of circle and uh, draw your interest really early. That's going to be fascinating there. Any other matchups in terms of Western divisions as we look at the division that stands out to you that you interested in see? Southern versus Texas Southern, Southern. September 17th in yeah, Arlington. Game Absolutely. Hey, you know Arlington, what? Texas. Uh, that was – I think that caught made everybody look over their shoulder with Texas Southern uh, with that win, and it kind of damaged, I think, Southern going forward uh, in the last season. Uh, I don't know if they lost their identity after that game or whatever the case might be. I know there was a, a controversial play, but uh, that was a, a body blow uh, to the Southern football program to lose to Texas Southern last year. I'm sure they will be primed and ready for Texas Southern. This, but yep. uh, a lot of us think that Texas Southern could be that upstart team. Yep, if they fix some of the pieces on defense, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. What about that Prairie View and Grambling and State Fair Classic this year? Well, Prairie View's kind of had the better half of Grambling over the last three or four years. I think we may be seeing something a little bit different this year. Uh, Grambling brings a strong team, so we'll see what, what Hugh and the boys can do. 
Um, I think there's still questions at their quarterback position, um, and we'll see what kind of defense they they have a plethora of tra- of uh, transfers. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see yeah, how. Yeah, is Gramlin back in the football business? That's that's you the biggest question, question mark yeah. for me. Yeah. Is, is Gramlin back? Yeah, that's yeah. the question. Now a lot of their fans believe they're back. Yeah. But well, you know they don't stay down for long, so you right. know, you know at some point. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. you talk about with the programs, blue blood programs. You don't yeah. expect when they hit that bottom or mm-hmm. going a little low that they don't tend to stay down too long. Right, they made yeah. the head coaching change that many people think that's going to help them. But the question is just how fast that transformation. Right. Uh, as we start to go back to the East Division, part of the problem with that is what coach. Sanders was able to do, Coach Prime was able to do. He creates that bar where the expectation of coming into a program yeah. uh, kicks up a notch no doubt. Uh, really fast. <laughs> no doubt. People no. forget he did have a spring. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that he got yeah. to play a little football. That was right. different. Play the spring, and then we talk about churning. Yeah, that roster churned right, <laughs> tremendously right. after the spring. Now we see a lot of turning yeah. for everybody yeah, roster in terms exactly. of uh, yeah. Southern and so Graham, which brings to the point is how fast can they churn exactly. at their own. And there's some questions in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what if that's Bubba McDowell? Uh, as we get in the East, we'll have to talk about Alabama State, Eddie Robinson. He was clean, too. He was clean, too. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he got a quarterback. He can yeah. be clean. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was casket sharp. Yeah. Yes, he was. So, uh, let's go into the Eastern Divisions and we talk about that. I'll lead it off. Well, sorry. Swack West, in terms of the actual coaches and SIDs, this is what they picked. Texas Southern at number six, 40 points. And number five was Arkansas Pine Bluff for 42 points. Not a lot of differential between those two. Uh, Gr- Gramlin was four with 77 points. They did receive one first-place vote. Uh, you had Prairie View, three, which goes into a lot of your thoughts, what you're thinking about, 82 points, five first-place votes. Um, you had Alcorn with 110 points, but also five first-place votes. So differential between Prairie View and Alcorn is strong, but in terms of some that see Prairie View and first rented again is – not much different than Alcorn. Right. Uh, you double it up a little bit, if you would, when you see Southern with 11 uh, first-place votes, 111 points, which is not a lot of differential when you talk about Alcorn State and Southern. You know, when you look at it, it's really close there. Yeah. Uh, again, to your points of people going Southern, Alcorn a little bit. So that's fascinating when you talk about that. Statistically, if you look at that, have you seen a situation or maybe where you had that many teams actually getting first-place votes? I don't know if I have the history, but there were a lot of teams that actually had first-place votes. Who voted Gremlin uh, number one? I said they got a first-place Yeah. Mm, if I had to guess, um, you would probably think it would be uh, maybe it's a preview SID. Uh mm. It's probably SID yeah. than it was a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Interesting, right? What do what does that one person know that we all yeah, exactly. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> Let's get into our second break. We'll come back and we'll break down the East Division in terms of what I broke down the records. This is where it gets messy for me or it gets interesting depending on what side of the road you. Um, in terms of that breakdown, and then we'll tell you what the swag said. So stick with us after our second break. We'll be right back. Spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. 
Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. Some carriers will give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the... <laughs> seven times the... No, no. Seven times the... Music, gaming, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, and more. That's seven times the entertainment. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better costs less than you think. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com that's www.slowburnwaco.com so listen to Professor uh, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Dr. Viz inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike and Charles Bishop. We're going to tell all the people some uh, secrets, but uh, that slow grind in terms of the smoke. Uh, some people get a chance to get a little <laughs> extra smoke in and cigars. Even before it makes for a long day for some folks. It makes for a very, very long day. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that slow burn got to you. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the commercial. Well, let me break down what I thought in the Eastern Division. I had Bethune Cookman at six, three and eight, two and six, one and four. Although after talking with Coach Sims yesterday and today, you know, I'm like, maybe I need to change that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, listening to AD Drew. Coach they Sims are stared yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Coach. I'm fishing. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean that. I hope you didn't see that. That wasn't me. The coach stare. <laughs> Ooh, us. Yeah. But I got tied for fourth. I got Alabama State at five and six, three and five, one and four. Mississippi Valley State five and six, three and five, two and three in the division. I have a three-way tie for first. I have Alabama A&M overall at eight and three, finishing the conference at seven and one, four and one. I have Florida A&M at eight and three, seven and one in the conference, four and one in the division. I have Jackson State also at one, ten and one overall. Not quite the undefeated. I'm hearing that they are talking about they want to do. They added the fact that they plan to win the conference championship and finish the deal with the Celebration Bowl. Mm-hmm. So they looking for perfection, 13-0. I have them at 10-1, close to it, 71 in terms of the conference, 4-1. The way I see the conference going down is I do see Jackson State beating FAMU in the Orange Blossom Classic to kick mm-hmm. things off. Okay. But I see um, Alabama A&M losing to FAMU when they travel down there to Tallahassee. Hmm. The major upset I have is in later in the season, 
And I just think it's going to be tough to be perfection uh, in terms of chasing that uh, and staying up every game. But, but that mobile game, something mm-hmm. just churning, playing those classes games, there's something about not having that game at home mm-hmm. that has me going with Maynard finding a way to get that game in mobile. Which means all of them would be seven and one. But the key thing before you jump in here, because mm-hmm. I know it's going to be interesting, there is the tie break. Mm-hmm. They would all be tied. Mm-hmm. They all beat each other. So head to head goes out. Um, the opponents against everybody else because they played each other mm-hmm. goes out. So the third tiebreaker, my understanding is where you are in uh, the power ranking, poll rankings. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. My theory is generally what you have. Mm-hmm is you want to start up there because it's harder to jump in the poll. We've seen that last year with FAMU. Mm-hmm. They had to go undefeated pretty much after they started conference play again, mm-hmm. run the tables, and they didn't get into the top 25 essentially in some polls until basically the last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so my thing is, is it, although that loss will be late, Jackson State will be rolling. They'll be so high in the polls. They'll probably be around top 10. Mm-hmm. Right, sneaking in, maybe edging right there in top five. Mm-hmm. So with that loss, they're not going to fall past 15. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have the highest ranking. So that's going to be the tiebreaker that gives them the edge uh, to win the division because of the tiebreaker scenario, mm-hmm. ranking in the poll ranking. And I believe they're going to actually get home field as well because they're going to beat Southern head-to-head one. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to have an overall better conference record versus Southern who I have playing for the championship game because they'll be 7-1 and one, and Southern will be 6-2. and two. So that's what I got for my championship. Uh, that's going to be an interesting game. Um, Jackson State versus Alabama A&M. What I, some things that I look at here, uh, that could, be, could become a de facto home game for Jackson State. Uh, huge uh, alumni chapter in the Mobile area, home of Robert Brazil. And we know Jackson State fans, they're going to they're going to travel. You know, that's that's going to be a challenge to the Alabama A&M fans. Y'all need to come on down to Mobile, too, because Jackson State fans are going to make that trip. Um, uh, I, I think chasing perfection is going to be uh, something that's, you know, on their mind. Uh, but everything, as we all know, uh, is health-related. Uh, Jackson mm-hmm. State, one of the things that – I think goes unnoticed. Jackson State was relatively unscathed last year That's right. with regards to health, and uh, and they play like it. Um, but uh, dominance has That's been huge. what has been preached uh, <laughs> all throughout the spring, all throughout the summer, uh, and they have a different level of focus that is uh, is really jumped out at me in terms of their preparation, getting ready for this season. I know we all take a look at teams and everybody says that that focus is, you know, as they've been locked, but they have literally been locked in and it's, it's a, a, a little bit of a contrast uh, with regards to uh, what was going on, uh, you know, coming out of the spring going into fall football uh, last year. It's been uh, remarkable to kind of take a look at. So, you know, <sighs> I mean, you chase perfection. You Nothing chase wrong perfection. Per- perfection. You chase perfection. Because yeah. if you don't get perfection, you're still pretty damn you're still, good. Still pretty so good. I don't yeah. see nothing wrong with putting out there to chase perfection. Mm-hmm. My thing is not that the coach is not going to have them prepared. We've mm-hmm. seen that. That's not going to be an issue to me. Do you have most of your kids, um, yeah. including Shador, 
um, in terms of being focused, I have no question. I think he, he has that type of mentality and attitude. They're going to do that. I just think in terms of overall team, for college young men, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard mm-hmm. to get them focused every week. And as you know, it's not just going to be their level of focus, but they're going to play everybody else that's going to be pretty doggone focused too. Yeah, they're, they're going to get everybody's best punch. There's, right. There's you no see what I'm saying? So that. Yeah. That, that's the thing. It's, so, it's not so much of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have to be but right here if somebody else is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Your play can be the difference in terms of sure. winning the game. And so it's going to be fascinating to see what that looks like over a course of a season. It's, it's, and can they roll it? The other thing we'll add is I think your point was I have no doubt that Jack State going to travel. They're going to be there. But mm-hmm. it's going to be still different than if they were at home. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Right. No doubt. You're, you're, I think the other thing is yeah. if mm-hmm. what we're talking about Alabama and m is they might not travel obviously as well as FAMU travel as well as a Jackson State or a Southern or even Alcorn for that matter. But according to this, they would be in the race. And that brings a different type of lather. And so I think if they're in the race in terms of that matchup, if mm-hmm. it comes down to what we're talking about, um, they're going to bring some solid fans um, in terms of that area. They have a good alumni base in Alabama in terms of that. So I think it's going to be a buzz in terms of the atmosphere of that game if – the projection comes out. Now, if one of them falls off a little bit, then you're right. I think that's going to change the dynamic of what that game looks like. But I'm saying if both of them in the hunt, which means you would have um, Alabama and them coming in with one loss for that matchup, right, mm-hmm. in terms of conference-wise, right, yeah. they would have the two losses, non-conference or one of those in terms of being eight and three, and you would have a Jackson State coming in undefeated. Mm. That in itself creates is enough have, of creates a, of a yeah, buzz, buzz that everybody's going to be in there mm-hmm. in terms of what it looks like, uh, in terms of that matchup. And you're going to get a lot of side effects. You're going to get a lot of other folks that want to go in there and see that game too because they'll be like, hey, man, this that means something. Yeah. <laughs> so Last stadium folks, will be packed. Right. So mm-hmm. that's not going to be an issue. So that's where I'm saying about that. So I don't doubt the things that you said, and it makes sense, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to give a little more perspective. Mm-hmm. Mike, where did you see this Eastern Division as a breakdown? Uh, <clears throat> quite naturally, I had uh, Jackson State um, uh, kind of running the gamut, actually. I think they are ch- chasing perfection. Two of the things that at times may have hurt Jackson State, I felt, were uh, inconsistency or undisciplined at times. There are a couple of games that they easily could have lost. and But they then they in the second half, they you know put the pedal, pedal to the metal and you know pulled it out. And I think... Today, in talking to some of the players and, and Coach Prime, I, I like you. I sensed more of a focus, I guess, to use your word. Um, but I, I think they'll, the execution piece uh, they'll fix. And, of course, the offensive line. They bought in, what, five, six offensive linemen. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think they'll fix it. And I, I don't see the tie situation. So, if anything, maybe it'll be a two-horse race for second between Alabama A&M and FAMU. From from my perspective, I don't see the mobile as being something that that could potentially be a a, a foothold or pigeonhole for for Jackson State. I think Jackson State travels well if you're bringing the crowd factor oh, into yeah. it. Yeah, so I think Alabama and Emma and they're gonna that be winning. Game. So they travel be better. But to your point, they are going to have to get up for every game because you know they're literally the hunted. You yeah, know, yeah. so they're still get college. Them. I mean, yeah. you have it's some of the best in Alabama and all of It's so hard. It's it's it is difficult, but I'd still have them at first place. I got you. 
I mean, that's what they said here too. Mm-hmm. Mississippi Valley State, 35 points, six, which is going to surprise a lot of folks. Bethune-Cookman at 56 points. Uh, number four is Alabama State with 60 points. They had one first-place vote. Yep. Uh, Alabama A&M, 87 points. They had two first-place votes. You had FAMU, 108 points with seven first-place votes. And you had Jackson State, 116 points with 12 first-place votes. So I thought that was fascinating when you talk about what the coaches in the SID said mm-hmm. in their perspective. And what, the beautiful thing about this, we'll get to come back like you reminded us last year at the end of the season. Mm. And you kind of said, I think y'all might not understand the depth of the Eastern Division. I'm going to pat you on the back. You, said, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm not doubting your capability of breaking this stuff down. Yeah. You showed that you certainly know what you're talking about. Oh, man. And you came back a little bit and said, you know, and you didn't glow about it, but you, the numbers spoke for themselves in yeah. terms of what the East said did to the West, which is why I have my overall mix in terms of I still believe the East is going to take it to the West. Yes, It may not be quite as dominant, but mm-hmm. I think they'll still show how strong the Eastern Division, the Western Division. Now, what's funny is that's just a one game when it gets to the championship yeah, you, game, though. Yeah, yeah. you know that the East reminds you of that old Big East back when Villanova, Georgetown, Syracuse, and St. John. Yeah. It's getting that, that, getting that look. So, <laughs> it's getting I, that look. And remember last year this time you, you did have us do the individual, the best three, the top three teams in the East, mm. top three teams in the West, yeah, and Charles reminded us. I think I, I for one, had the three best teams coming out of the West, and a lot of other people had. I did that. too. I don't think that's the case this year. It's quite evident. Mm. Right? Yeah. You won't, you won't get me making that mistake twice. I, I it might run up to the, <laughs> come out to something else, but it ain't gonna because I said it. He ain't gonna better come back and be like, well, "What you think about that?" <laughs> exactly. Hey, I told you that was wrong. I'm, I'm not gonna give CB that <laughs> leverage just to come back. See, I told y'all. No, 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 not this time. Well, we'll come back uh, with some of those uh, matches, but before we do this and we end this segment, what are some of the key head-to-head Eastern Division games that you're looking for? I guess I kind of snuck out there and showed you mine with yep. Jack State, Alabama, A&M, uh, FAMU, obviously, hosting Alabama, A&M, Tallahassee. Anything else stands out to you uh, in terms of matchups you're looking forward to? Uh, looking forward to the matchup of uh, whenever Alabama, A&M, and, and FAMU get together. Yeah. Um, that should be a yeah. goal. Watch this one. Um, Mississippi Valley State is going to punch somebody like they, they catch somebody every year. And um, – I, I've, I, I, there are a couple of matchups that I think will be interesting, at least with Valley and and FAMU. I, I think that could be very interesting. Valley had them, you know, on the ropes at, at, at a point in Itabina last year. So um, I, I think you, you, you got a couple of matchups that are, that are going to be very intriguing to where everybody's going to look toward that game that weekend. So it's going to be uh, real interesting. Yeah, I'm fascinated about that. This is not obviously Eastern Western, but the biggest one, East West game that I'm looking at in terms of robbers at all corner at Mississippi Valley State. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. The crossover. Let's get into our last break. We'll be right back and close things out for you, give you a couple of uh, key matchups and some other thoughts, and we'll break down a little bit of the preseason offensive, preseason defensive player, and your thoughts on some of the first team players and, and what that shake that out uh, before we get your final thoughts and give it a close for the day. Mm-hmm. It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through the 31st. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe will converge on the capital city 
to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fenoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban NerdCon Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting TheUrbanNerdCon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net. Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. <laughs> wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. It's like a loot machine. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the ball? Who the ball? So listen to Professor Yesa and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. Dr. Ville's inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Closing our, our last segment, let's get into this preseason offensive player of the year, preseason defensive player of the year. No surprise here, right? Mm. Offensive player of the year was Shador Sanders, Jackson State University. Defensive player of the year was Isaiah Lamb, Florida A&M University. Man, that Orange Blossom Classic shakes up just Ooh. in terms of key players, offense, defense. It mm -hmm. just shapes up really nice staff storyline. Who uh, first and two preseason picks? Who were up to everything last year? Uh, beautiful matchup, two solid head coaches. Boy, that's uh, uh, nice. Let me go down first team, second uh, first team. Won't get into the second team. This is the first team preseason quarterback. I already told you, obviously, Shador Sanders, Jackson State running back Gary Quarles, Alabama A and M running back Caleb Johnson, Mississippi Valley State offensive lineman Dallas Black Southern. Offensive lineman two, Mark Evans, the second, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Offensive lineman three, Drake Centers, Texas Southern University. Offensive lineman four, Tony Gray, Jackson State. Offensive lineman five, Robert Alston, Alabama State. Wide receiver, Abdul Fatih Ibram, Alabama A&M. Wide receiver two um, is Xavier Smith, Florida A&M. Tight end, Kamari Everett, Bethune-Cookman. First team defense, defensive lineman one, Sundiata Anderson, Gramlin State. Defensive lineman two, Ronnie Thomas, Mississippi Valley State. Defensive lineman three, Jason Dumas, Southern. Still sounds kind of weird. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Defensive lineman uh, four, Jordan Lewis, Southern. Boy, but you talking about pairing those two together, I do love what that looks like in terms of that front line. Man, if they can kind of play off each other, that defensive line can – run havoc, and then obviously, like I said, you got a transfer 
defensive back. That defense could be special. It's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. So we don't necessarily think of Dooley in terms of the defensive mode, but he's put together some pretty good defense of late mm-hmm. over the years in terms of leading it. Uh, get back into it. Linebacker, Isaiah Lamb, FAMU. Linebacker, Aubrey Miller, Jackson State. He's playing with a chip on his shoulders. He think a lot of people forgot about him. Not us. <laughs> Certainly not me. Uh, linebacker three, Monroe Beard the third, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, Coach um, Doc Gamble talked a little bit about uh, Monroe. He said he's ready, and he thinks he has a pretty good core of linebackers, so it's fascinating to see what that means. Defensive back one, Amari Hill, Robinson, Bethune, Cookman. Defensive back two, Rajad Davis, Alabama State. Defensive back three, Shiloh Sanders, Jackson State. Defensive back four, B.J. Bowler, FAMU. Preseason first-team special teams. Place kicker was Jose Romo Martinez, FAMU. Punter, Josh Sanchez, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Long snapper, Thomas Rene, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Return specialist, Isaiah Bolden, Jackson State. Jackson State, deservedly so in my fault, were loaded in terms of talent first and second team. I'm not going to get into that. Um, Any surprises for you, Mike, in terms of the first team? or even preseason offensive, defensive players, any surprise to you? Or just in general, what do you think about the first-team offense, first-team defense? First of all, there's a whole lot of fam, uh, you and Jackson State in the list. So just the sheer number, <clears throat> numerical representation lets you know um, how loaded both teams are. Um, it sets up that, that yeah, game big time, as you alluded to. Um, I always look at who's not there. I didn't see many Alcorn State folks there. Mm. And they yep. were picked. Some thought they could win the SWAC West. Yep. They were picked second. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see a whole lot of folks there. So I'm wondering, you know, I think that's a misnomer. If they're picked that strong, why, why don't we have any of their players? Yep. The and West? even when you dip down the second team, they don't have a lot. You know, you have uh, one, two on the uh, second team offensive. And then you have um, one – in terms of the second-team defense. So it's not just a whole lot there. So great point when you talk about Duffy's real deal. Um, no question about what that looks like. But I think you make a really great point when you talk about that matchup. Let me go to you, Charles, in terms of anything that stood out to you or, as Mike said, that kind of shook you because you didn't see it on the list in terms of mainly the first team. But you can look at it in terms of second team as well. Switch over. Yep, as, as we tune it in, uh, your final thoughts there, uh, just 
as you said, the person you left off didn't want you to go back through that. But just in case, a little bit, at least talk about the person that you were referencing. There's an unsung hero, Jackson. Uh, Cameron Simicorek, uh yeah. is an individual who is a playmaker on Jackson State's defense. A uh, young man who, I mean, uh, wherever he's lined up, you have to account for him. Yeah, uh, he, he's mm-hmm. one of those type players. And and when I say playmaker, he creates turnovers. You know, uh, whether <laughs> I like uh, that you brought that you up. Know, whether he's stripping the ball, whether he's making an interception, he's a true playmaker you know and like i said uh he reminds you a lot uh, of the honey badger in terms of the you know the, the the area that he covers on the field and things of that nature yeah i didn't uh want to get lost in this mix here one thing i did want to ask about and i'll stick with you uh before you turn over and you can hand it to mike to get his final thoughts uh we'd be remiss if um you didn't catch when they opened it up with charles when he talked about the state of sweat you know, one of the things I was interested in, he's talking about the financial components that he was really looking at when he talked about in two or three years, he sees the SWAC um, revenues continue to go up. Mm-hmm. He talked about they had their largest distribution of funds to each of the institutions uh, this year, ever, essentially, in the SWAC. Um, he talked about the fact that um, those revenues um, in a couple of years will exceed three FBS programs mm. based on what the rate is for some of those G5 programs um, in the next two or three years. Um, and he says the conference is in solid grounds in terms of what they're able to do, not just in attendance, what we see today with the interest, uh, with over 200 credential media here, mm-hmm. um, increasing significantly over, I think, 150 or something last year mm-hmm. with that increase going up, the interest, more television games, games on HBCU Go. You talked about the games that are going a significant um, television secondary deal. Um, so I thought that was fascinating in terms of the state of the SWAT. Any thoughts on that or any additional things that he talked about? That I may uh, it tells you the growth of this conference. It tells you uh, the eyes of the nation are, are on this conference. I, I often have said, you know, we're, we're in the renaissance, if you will, of HBCU athletics uh, in terms of uh, student-athletes, in terms of the eyes of the world being on this conference. You know, Coach Prime has said, you know, the, the spotlight is going to be bright, but it's also going to show you blemishes. So, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's, that's huge moving forward. But uh, anytime you talk about uh, distribution of revenues being at an all-time high, that, that that sticks out. That's that's one of those things that uh, you, you kind of keep in the back of your head. That uh, in terms of the growth of this conference, and you know, I, we saw the swag on its back a few years ago, and to see it bounce back to where it is, it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, and I, I won't hold it because I, I want you to give you closing statements, but I want to tie a bow in terms of what you said there, framing it. If you go back and listen to the Jaguar Journal. Last week and two weeks ago uh, on uh, Carlos Brown's show, he had Banks on there. And mm-hmm. Banks didn't tell everything, but he alluded to some stuff about the goal of FBS and what that looks like in the year that they need to do it as a conference. That's where it's going in terms of what they're doing. He was really solid. And this is from AD in terms of where he sees uh, the conference able to go uh, is distribution, and then he mentioned one of those that he said he he believed the lowest payout for conference members coming out of this year was oh, oh, was uh, uh, over five hundred thousand. Wow! 
So he wow. was said that online. So I hadn't seen the numbers, but if that's the case and the indication what Charles is talking about, that money is becoming significant in terms of the payout and what's going forward. So that's something to keep your eyes on. And I know a lot of folks want him to tell you that. And I'm not saying that he, you know, I'd be happy to hear what he's saying. Mm -hmm. But I do think one thing that I look at in terms of what's out there in terms of the norms of practices, commissioners across the board do not provide their financials. Now, the media folks that are able to do that and have a background uh, and find sources, they're able to get it from different frameworks. So you'll see ESPN provide a revenue distribution from various FBF conferences and that's because they've been able to go and find various sources to provide them a general framework of what those notification is mm. and I think as you continue to see the interest in the SWAT you'll find folks that are able to look in various frameworks and I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see those numbers come up wow wow yeah. see that Last thing I want to do before you do that, before you pass the headphones uh, to let Mike do his close, mm -hmm. what are your final closing thoughts on the 2022 SWAC Football Media Day here in Birmingham? Another successful uh, SWAC Media Day. Uh, over 200 uh, credentialed uh, media here. And just from a brotherhood standpoint, it, it's great seeing all of our colleagues uh, in one place. And, uh, uh you know, since the pandemic, we, we, we're so accustomed to Zooming, uh, you know, uh, but to actually lay eyes on a lot of our colleagues and, and, and share stories and, and share our predictions and, uh, and our analysis, it's always a special time. And, and, you know, there's new media that's getting into this space now. So, uh, you know, not only are you talking about the, the growth of the conference and the growth of revenue, but you're talking about the growth of uh, HBCU media covering all our schools and and more is better there's enough for everyone to eat yeah and the dedicated spaces that you have mm -hmm. for not only um hbcu sports not only the swack but also folks that are dedicated to covering an hbcu institution exactly you have that going over there with north carolina ant to give them a shout out they have a dedicated space uh where somebody talks about that i believe hampton has a dedicated space where somebody talks about that you have tennessee state that has a um, a couple of folks that are dedicated to covering Tennessee State sports. Obviously, what we do on the Black College Sports Network, ONG, in terms of dedicated space covering uh, FAMU athletics. you got a dedicated space from 1876 sports and podcasts covering Prairie View A&M University. You have the, the, the pregame show covering Jackson State University in terms of the dedicated space. You have Carlos Brown, who's been one of the longest in the business doing that, who essentially, in a lot of ways, dedicates coverage of Southern um, uh, athletics in terms of what that looks like. So I think that is a strong formula in terms of what takes in place of covering those sports. So to your point, that new media, both in terms of covering uh, HBCU sports, covering the SWAC, and covering um, some of those that are doing things to cover dedicated space, I think it's fascinating. And um, it's a positive thing mm -hmm. overall in terms of where things are going in terms of additional sure. coverage. Go ahead and, and pass it to Mike so I can get some of his final thoughts. I know, Mike, you got in here and you were able to walk around the room uh, as we uh, were doing some of those interviews. You got out there in some space and were able to get some coverage in terms of the landscape, which is next door. We have the coaches at the tables and players uh, before as they're doing the mix. Also, obviously, going in between the coverage on ESPN3 
uh, with Jay Walker, Tiffany Green. Talk about what you saw in that mix in that space out there. What were your thoughts on that? I saw, first of all, I, I saw lots of, um, I, I guess, the brotherhood engagement. If you look out in the audience, you know, there was, there was, you, you know, Charles already talked to it that the increased presence of media administrators, but there was a lot of just, hey, good to, great to see you, hadn't seen you in a while. I thought the engagement with the players and the coaches, particularly this year, um, I thought I saw a lot. It, it's, this is very qualitative, just me saying it. It just seemed like there was a lot more coming out from the players and the coaches this year. If you engaged them at the tables, you know, in years past, it seems maybe, you know, some holding back. But that, you know, is one indica- indica- indicator that, you know, there's a lot of excitement going into the season. Um, a lot of teams, there's a lot of parity in here. You know, we know who's picked to go number one on both sides of the coin, but there are a lot of teams that are ready for the season. They're ready to get it, and you got that when you actually talk to them at the table. So, the gate, to me, the engagement level was up. So, um, and then on the stage, it was, you know, Tiffany and, and Jay Walker did a, a great job with each one. For me, it seemed like, I know there was a structured format, and I got here a little late, unfortunately, but it seemed like it was a little bit longer. Maybe there were more questions, or maybe well, the I format I think you tracking. had the more media, so everybody yeah, so. was having folks who were pulling folks in time, and yeah. they wanted to make sure that everybody yeah. had a chance. So I think they extended it, um, the time that we normally have gotten over the years to make sure that more people could get access. And to the credit of the coaches, um, the ADs or whatever, they were willing to stay a little longer right. to get interviews. Uh, Willie stayed around before he came back to make sure that he had the interview that I was able to give early on the show. But you had a lot of coaches that were making the rounds to make sure yep. that they got to media because they also know the importance of sharing the study. And, again, I think in a lot of ways that goes back. Um, to them understanding themselves, with new coaches that come from different places in the NFL, about sharing that in general in terms of what Coach Prime has done to make sure he puts his program out there. A lot of folks know the importance of meeting that in that same place and yeah. saying that we need to make sure that we meet and share our stuff so we can be competitive in the recruiting landscape and making sure that we're marketing and branding our institution. Again, I see that as a positive in terms of getting the information out. So I think that's part of it too. I did want to go back and give you a chance maybe to talk about what do you see in terms of the projection when you talk about the state of the conference, whether it's with the media day itself or some of the financials or some of the frameworks that you were hearing about uh, the Southwestern Athletic Conference from the commissioner, Dr. Charles McCullough. Well, yeah, to, for me, if you to explain that, I'll go a little bit of corporate. When you look at the success of an organization, uh, you have leading and lagging indicators. And we've talked about them. We haven't called them that, but we talked about the include, increased revenue distribution. It's one ending. The increased media coverage, um, sponsorship. You look at attendance. These are all indicators at where the organization is going. They all trend upward. And that, that is a visual indicator of how this whack is going and, and, and shows no sign of slippage or stopping. You, and to have that, you have to have great leadership and organization in place. You have that. And so I just think today was just indicative. And I think Charles eloquently put it. You know, He was asked questions about – I caught an interview, and uh, I had a chance to chime in. He was asked about churning and – mega conference and is there a chance that you know the SWAC will be that mega conference and Charles 
politely turned around and pointed and said, well, you have a mega conference. It's called the SWAC. <laughs> and he said, he said, we are not going to be exactly copycat. We're growing. We've added FAMU. We've added Bethune. But we're not going to just immediately jump and have golf and tennis players going from C to shining she. C, just to be like others. We're going to do what's right and grow in the rate that is best for the SWAC. And I thought that was quite pointed as well. Very good point and uh, eloquently stated by uh, Charles McClellan. So, um, so those those things stuck out of me. Those leading and lagging indicators and that statement there. Leave it to to Mike in business to give you these business frameworks, terminology, <laughs> bulls up, bears that. Yeah, perfectly said. Last thing I'll give you before we close up. What is your last thoughts um, that you want to share in terms of Southwestern Athletic Conference Media Day 2022 here in Birmingham, Alabama, at the Sheraton? Oh man, I I think. You know, CB hit the nail on the head. It was the camaraderie, the brotherhood, you know, just being here. You know, there's, I don't think Brian, AD, us three, I, I don't think we've been in one place for, for some time. I can't remember the last time we've all been here at one place. And we all live in Houston. And we, yeah. <laughs> so, when it's three of us. But even the bigger picture, as uh, Drew pointed out earlier, and we did get a chance to take it, this is one of the first times since we have brought the group together and expanded what we do on BCSN that we basically had all the team players yeah. here. And we took a picture to kind of celebrate what we we're able to do so. I'm glad that you bring that to my attention. Make sure you share that great point. Yeah. So, so that says that I just the, the I can't get enough of the, the increased media. I mean, I saw some some media folks that had not been here in the yeah. last two or three years and stood out. So uh, that was you know that was a takeaway for me. So great point. Well, that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Caville, the Dean of HBC Sports from. Inside the lab in the college of HBC Sports with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Wheels Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock uh, right here on the Black College Sports Network. We look forward to next week as we discuss the latest in the news. We'll go back and give you some updates on the CIAA. Didn't get a chance to break down there. They had a great time. A.D. Drew was able to provide you that information yesterday. But we will, uh, on the news of HBCUs, break down and share some updates there. I was surprised to some degree that in terms of the East, they still had the big bad bulldogs at the top. Yep. I guess you got to beat them to defeat them, what they're saying. So I thought that stood out, and I was curious about where they would be ranked. And that's where they would pick. But we'll break down the rest of that and show you what that looks like on this coming Tuesday. We'll give you that information. But follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Covilla, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Check out Twitter as we always have that discussion. I'm sure this evening we'll get a chance to break down some things and share it with you as we kind of wind down a little bit. Check out Instagram. Got some great pictures for you um, um, to do that. We had great interviews as I had a team player. I wanted to shout out uh, in terms of getting some work, taking the camera work, and sharing some interviews on Twitter in terms of what that looks like. So that was important. I want to shout out. Uh, um, Raymond Holly. Raymond Holly that's here that's put yeah, in right. a lot of work, getting a, a lot of pitches there. Tailgate partner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 3P tailgate. 3P tailgate. Getting it done in terms of what that looks like. I thought that was important to share uh, that work in so many different ways. So I, I wanted to make sure I uh, got that shout out in there. 
Who else? Uh, a lot of folks text me all day. I try to see if I can get these magazines and pregame shows that folks asked for. I collected a couple of extra ones, but I, hopefully I didn't get hit up because some folks did that. Shout out to Brother DJ Chris Cruz, who was here holding down for Prairie View A&M University uh, as he uh, was big and getting that done. So I wanted to make sure I uh, gave him. Brother Herman Shelton flew in just for this and made sure that he was in the backdrop uh, to get some live interviews from players so we could get that part while we were doing the interviews. So this is a team effect that puts this all together. So I thought it was a, uh, important to share that in terms of what gets done. And I wanted to also say thanks to Mike Washington. Thanks to Charles Bishop. They put in a lot of work and a lot of time, put up a lot of things because I drive a lot of questions and a lot of efforts that I want, and they have their own spaces and things they're trying to do, and I try to make sure I'm open to make sure they can do that, but they put up and make sure that we continue to deliver for inside the HBC Sports Lab. So I want to say openly to everybody, I appreciate you all. Don't always get to say that as much as you should. First drinks on me. Oh, wasn't supposed to say that on TV because I don't know everybody <laughs> know that. But, yeah, you know it. They're going to make sure they get in the pocket, so we'll do that big. Inside the HBC Sports Lab, one on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and YouTube is Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Uh, dream big. Continue to move forward. We'll talk with you soon. Charles. Of course. Mike. Lecture. Dismiss.